Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This is Flyperbole with Steve Jacob and Craig Forsyth. 200 episodes later and we finally figured out who knows the meaning to life. You guessed it, Sean Podine. Finally, both Shen brothers have won Stanley Cups. It just wasn't with the Flyers. This is what I've always wanted to see. Both Shens as Stanley Cup champions. My my God, what a world we're living in. Braden Coburn, Luke Shen, and Braden Shen. Patrick Maroon, two-time Stanley back Cup Back to back, baby. The, yeah. the Flyers just with jack shit. My God, what a time to be alive. I'm actually not that bitter. I really didn't mind the Tampa Bay Lightning team that much. And uh, Luke Shen... And Braden Coburn are not exactly uh, should have kept infamous should have kept in Flyers history. Yeah, I mean Luke Luke Shen especially. Like, uh, I mean Braden Shen. Luke Shen, if anything, is a should not have ever acquired. Yeah, he's just a reminder of what bad bad transactions are. Yeah, I'm not really. Yeah, I kind of with you. I'm not really bitter about the 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 Lightning winning. I mean, I thought that Stanley Cup final was pretty good. There were a couple really good games in there, and I thought the Lightning have been the most deserving team uh, for a couple years now. And I'm glad they finally pieced it together. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm well, I'm happy for Braden Coburn, I guess. And uh, I liked Braden Coburn, yeah, actually. He, he's and fine. I know that's not the most popular Flyers opinion to have sometimes. Like, people really hated Braden Coburn here. But I was happy for Braden Coburn. I mean, it's no Simone Gagne winning it at last. That was, that was, I was legitimately happy for that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty happy for Braden Coburn. Yeah, like, uh, when Gagne won, honestly, I don't know. I was still happy for Richards and, and Carter. I mean, Richards didn't ask to get traded. So that was like, I, I wasn't upset. Oh, that was yeah. a huge Mike Richards. Yeah, thing. like that, that run. And also, like, I, I don't know. I had gotten separated, I, like, 2015 was all right too like i was more happy for teaming and the blackhawks really didn't i didn't really care that year for the blackhawks winning. i mean it was right. like it was more the like same. the blackhawks had had that much recent success that it's like at this point another yeah it's like who gives a shit but yeah exactly i was very happy for chemo teaming yeah uh patrick maroon though let's talk about it steve uh it's very vital to our our podcast and also we'll talk more about the cup win later on the podcast but uh 
Yeah, pulled the Chris Long slash Lily Garrett Blunt. Uh, back-to-back championships, two different teams. So it's pretty... Six points in 25 games, average 12-36 time on ice, two assists over the final eight games of the postseason. But he's got them rings. So I guess you can't really knock him for that. Can't really knock him for that. So you're telling me that Chucky Two Trades has to go out there. He's got to start actively trying to get Justin Williams and Patrick Maroon on this team ASAP. Just get all those lucky rabbit's feet of of players and just assemble them in one one roster. That's right. Just every all the all the guys that are just the glue pieces, all the all the should gets, all the guys that every fan wants to get, just go get uh, all those types of players. And uh I mean, I just like Patrick Maroon really isn't like a people are trying to like chop it up as another should have kept either, but I don't really I don't really give a shit. Like we always talk about how he's not uh it's not really that it great. It took him forever. Yeah, it took him forever to get to one. Yeah. Like, for those not as familiar with Patrick Maroon's backstory, like he was a Flyers prospect once upon a time, got into some sort of trouble with the team, was basically thrown away to the Ducks, spent forever bouncing between the AHL and NHL, you know, went to a couple teams and just happened to end up on the Blues last year when they won and scored a couple pivotal goals along the way, but beyond those pivotal goals, did not do a hell of a lot. No, uh, and honestly, like, I... He's a fine glue guy. Glue guy. That's fine. I don't really care. But like, he wasn't. He wasn't the main player on either of uh, of these teams. He did have a big goal last year for the Blues. Last year, when they uh, knocked out uh, the Stars in double overtime in Game Seven, and I was really hoping that in Game Five he scored the overtime winner too. So then the Stars can just grow a weird hatred for Patrick Maroon for like just a team hates Patrick Maroon because he ended both their seasons in back to back years. But it didn't. Uh, Never came to fruition, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, and their team was loaded, like, points, ridiculous, Kucherov's ridiculous, Hedman's ridiculous, uh, and Vasilevsky, I know, got... They did this all without Steven Stamkos, who's one of the yeah, best and, yeah, NHL players of the past decade, and he played two minutes and scored a, an amazing goal. Yeah, like, it really, like, they... <laughs> what, what a team. They are just, they're just ridiculous from top to bottom, and they, it all came down to defense, like, they, I think they learned from last year, and I think... The winning the five overtime goal uh, overtime game was what set them free. I think like they needed to break free of that whole uh, the the Blue Jacket stigma or whatever the hell was holding them back against them. So I think winning that game, if they had lost that game, I I don't know if they would have won at all. But they uh, yeah they eked out a lot of wins. Actually, I'll talk about that real quick. And fuck it, I mean, do you want to run through the Stanley Cup stuff real quick since we're already on it? We're already talking about it. Yeah, we're already on it. It's the big news story right now. And I mean, it's essentially, you know, the stars or the not the stars, the lightning really just needed to learn how to be clutch. They needed to learn how <laughs> That's to right. properly prepare for clutch. They time. needed all the narratives you can imagine that really don't exist. They needed a guy like Patrick Maroon. You need to get guys like Patrick Maroon and pay a lot of money for Barclay Goudreau. And that's how that's how you get some wins here. So uh, eight games needed overtime during the uh, Blue Jackets run and four of them went to Double overtime or more, which I thought was ridiculous, and also I didn't have enough time to really look up whether or not that was like the most for one team in a postseason. But uh, two overtimes against each team, so they had two overtimes against the Blue Jackets. First game of the postseason was the five overtime one in Game One, and then they eliminated the Blue Jackets in Game Five of overtime. Game Two against the Bruins, they beat uh, beat them in the first overtime. Game Five, they lost in double overtime, and then I mean Game Four was. Overtime and then game five of the Stanley Cup final, they lost in double overtime as well. But yeah, it was just it was a long ass run. Vasilevsky played the most amount of minutes I think for any goalie 
Uh, yeah, what's the stat? Uh, 1,708 minutes, 12 seconds is the most minutes played by a goalie in the postseason. Also became the 10th different goalie in the expansion era to play in every game of the Cup winner's run. So the last goalie to do that, which sounds like a weird stat, but like thinking back to it, it's kind of crazy. Um, Corey Crawford was the last guy to do it in 2013, apparently. Um, and then 2012, the year before that, was quick. And then Tim Thomas also did in 2011. Before then, Martin Verdor in 2000. We don't have to talk about that. Belfort in 99. Grant Fuhrer in 1988. Patrick Wall in 86. Ken Dryden did it five times in the 70s. And then Bernie Perron kicked it all off by going uh, going the distance in 1974. That's actually insane to me. I, I would not have realized that was the case because it is... It's commonly just thought of that you only have one goalie in the postseason unless somebody gets hurt. Yeah, and I was trying to, like, I was going back and I was piecing all together. Like, yeah, Allen came in. I remember Allen coming in at certain points for, for Bennington because there was really there was a point last year during the run where I was like, well, okay. Uh, 2018 started off with Grubauer, and then they switched to Holpe, and then that's when they started playing defense and shut it down. 17 was Flurry and then Murray. 16, Tristan Jari got in, like, the first game of the first round. And then in came, um, or, uh, yeah, I think it was Tristan Jari. Yeah. Uh, and then it was Murray. So you keep going back and back, and you just kind of realize that it is kind of kind of ridiculous. But, yeah, I guess that just is more for the argument you need. Another goalie a little bit? Not that much. But, uh, you know, a reliable tandem with one guy that is the guy, I think, is the way to go. Um, we talked about Victor Hedman. Won the con Smythe, 22 points, third most on the team. 10 goals, third most on the team. He also had 12 assists. 10 goals, his third time D-Man has done that in the postseason run. We talked about that before. Coffee had 12 and 85, and Leach had 11 and 94, and Leach also won the con Smythe. Uh, became the ninth different D-Man to produce 22 points or more in a single postseason. Miro Heiskanen also did it. He had 26, uh, which is the fourth most amount of points for a defenseman in a single postseason. Very quietly, like, he was talked about a lot, and he slowed down later on in the run. But still, he had, Muir High School is going to be trouble uh, with the Stars for a while there. And if they stick with their whole defensive system and they add more help up front, I think um, I, I think they're going to, I think they might have another run in them coming up here in a couple seasons. 26-28. Um, Heiskanen and Klingberg, man, are, that's a, a hell of a couple of defensemen yeah. back there. Yeah, and Alexiak did good this year, too, and they... Again, they just have a lot of fours that also are, are just good two-way fours that maybe aren't offense like extremely offensively gifted, even though they have guys like Sagan and Ben and Radulov. But uh, they they just play good team defense, and they, they Kudobin was playing pretty well for a while there too. So uh, and yeah, twenty-six, twenty-eight average on on ice for Heaven over twenty-five games, which is an obnoxious amount. Six players averaged more during the postseason. Two of those were Jones or Warinsky, who only played. Average over 30 minutes, but they're only in the postseason for five games, and they had that five-overtime game. So, yeah, their number's going to be jacked up. Uh, Morgan Riley, 28-22 in five games for the Leafs. Uh, Roman Yossi, 26-56 over four games. Latang 26-47 over four games. And Ryan Ellis, 26-39 over four games. So nobody else even touched. We even came close when they played more than, you know, one series. Uh, and 10th different defenseman to win the Conn Smythe. First since Duncan Keith. Uh, Scott Niedermeyer also did in 2007, Lidstrom in 2002, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much where I want to stop reading those names. And, uh, <laughs> and that's uh, <laughs> and that's that. P- Point I mean, Kucherov, Hedman, man. yeah, Hedman was just nuts. Point Kucherov had cases. Hedman, well, he's just he's a stud back there. He's one of those guys. He's that, an animal. 
I mean, there's there's probably five or six of those guys on the Lightning alone that I would kill to have on my squad, but it's he's just so rock solid back there. He's been killing it for years back there, and uh, he's not an under the radar player because everybody knows no. who Victor Hedman is and that he's a great player, but. He's almost an under-the-radar player in some respects, at least as far as some of the, the top defensemen go. And it's it's nice to see him kind of get his get his day in the sun there, you know, get that recognition that yeah. he, he so thoroughly deserves. Like, he really stepped it up this year, too, defensively. Uh, I mean, he's always really good, but the fact that the Lightning really, as a, as a team, stepped it up defensively, and Victor Hedman really got to to be out there front and center for it. I think that that speaks volumes. Yeah. And I think, I mean, their defense, uh, McDonough is still good. Chad and Kirk is still doing pretty well. And I think the addition, uh, like Bogosian turned out, worked out fine for them, had that ridiculous goal with Coleman against the Bruins and played pretty decent hockey. So they did a pretty good job of just piecing together that blue line with guys that have high upside and on the right team. It ended up working out. Braden Coburn, man. Braden, Braden Braden Coburn too. Yeah. Uh, well, if you noticed, he got the cup pretty early. He did. He's been there for a while. As so. they're handed off. Yeah. You know, I mean, that speaks volumes about the kind of respect they have. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to think. He was because he was there the first time they went in 2015. So, like, he's been he's been a part of that core for a while now, which is kind of strange to think about. But uh, whatever. I mean, that I'm fine with how that worked out for the Flyers anyway. So, uh, point, though. 33 oh it worked out great that was just a good it ended up being a good trade I yeah, mean, yeah it's been a long time member of the lightning and i mean the flyers got a great draft pick out of it yeah uh what was like oh uh point 33 points uh for Braden point team high 14 goals in 23 games one of 38 14 goal postseasons in nhl history i saw a lot of people make a push for him for being the consmith but i think that's the stat that kind of I guess works against it for me is the 38-14 goal postseasons. Couture had 14 in 2019. Ovechkin had 15 in 20, uh, 2018, and so did Shifley. Or Shifley had 14 in 2019. Uh, and then Pavelski also had 14 in 2016. So I – like he had a lot of points. And if he had won, I don't think I would have really lost my mind because he also had the argument of uh, he missed two games in the Islanders series, and I believe it was the two games that the Islanders won which I feel like goes a long way in being the most valuable player, even for a loaded team like the uh, like the Lightning. Um, uh, by the way, Steve, most goals in a single postseason, there are two guys tied for 19. I wanted to share it because Flyers history is fun. Uh, Yari, Yari Curry in 1985 knocked out the Flyers in the Stanley Cup. And then Reggie Leach uh, in 1976 when he won the Conn Smythe, and I believe is the only skater to ever win the Conn Smythe on a losing team. The Flyers to the Canadians in 1976. So that's just fun. It's just fun with hockey. I like talking hockey. It's uh, it's a lot of fun history with the Flyers, and uh, just keep noted you know, almost Flyer Yari Curry, temporary Flyer Yari Curry. Thank you very well. I mean, it doesn't really count if it's on draft day, does it? Like he was technically property of the Flyers for like a minute, and then got traded. I don't know. I don't know how that works. It was. Uh, I'm trying to think of other people that's happened to recently. Uh, Yaroslav Flocky actually did play for the Sabres. Uh, the, the Martin Jones? Yeah, Martin Jones to the Bruins is a good one. Like, Martin Jones, I think it was technically a Bruin, but got traded to um, from the Kings to the Bruins and the Bruins to the Sharks, if I remember correctly. So it's just like a never actually played for him, but you know what the fuck I'm saying. Uh, what else here? Uh, Tampa Bay becomes first expansion team, or team in expansion era to win a five-overtime game and a cup in the same season. 
Uh, they're not the first team, though. The 1936 Detroit Red Wings won a game one nothing in six overtimes, thanks to Mad Brunatow. Uh, and it was, and they won the cup, but one nothing in six oh. overtimes in 1936 hockey. Who the fuck watched that? I like. I don't even want to go back and watch that for like the history of hockey. Who's watching? That's way, who's watching nine games worth of hockey to see some pale ass dude in the 30s. Put home a puck like that's it must have been like the worst hockey <laughs> out of shape just guys probably smoking cigarettes on the ice like just the worst conditioned athletes of all time stumbling over themselves to put a puck in the net like once like the days when people wear like full suits and fedoras <laughs> and <laughs> have like briefcases and newspapers and they're just banging the newspapers against their hand going ah kill them yeah <laughs> my favorite is like they all they had like all that and then everybody's always like oh the game used to be Used to be an event, so classy. And then in the same breath, they have highlights of like dudes just swinging their sticks like baseball bats at like one another because they didn't have. There are no fucking rules. It was just yeah. Uh, Joe Pavelski. I did want to talk about Joe Pavelski too, real quick. Um, Nineteen points in twenty-seven games, thirteen goals. Now has sixty-one goals, the most for any USA-born player. Uh, Brett Hall technically has the most for any USA, uh, like U.S. citizen, or because he, uh, you know. Considers himself American, Canadian, whatever. Uh, 119 points is... Basically, he said, I want to play in the Olympics, so... <laughs> yeah, that's sure one thing. way to do it, yeah. <laughs> that's what I want. I want Sean Couturier to do. Yeah, Sean, Couturier you will say, have you know, no... Yeah, we're not going to argue. Like, just come on over, man. I mean, I'm tired of looking at fucking Justin Applicator on this team. So the next time you want to play for Team USA, you let me know, and I'll yell at Justin Applicator. Uh, 119 points is the fifth uh, all-time for USA-born players behind Mike Madonna at 146. Chris Chelios, 144, Patrick Kane, 132, and Jeremy Roenick, 122. Uh, that's it. I was going to talk about the cap situation. They are $5.33 million in cap space, 10 forward signed, 3 D-men signed, 2 goalies locked up. Looks like uh, Yanni Gord, 5 years, $5.16 million a year. Tyler Johnson, 4 years, $5 million a year. And Alex Kaloran, three, 3 years at $4.45 million. Uh, one of those guys I feel like might be on the move. Just to free up some cap space so they can get everybody else underneath the cap. The Lightning feel like one of those teams, though. Like it just doesn't matter. It it, it doesn't matter what happens to them. They just find money. They just find cap space out of nowhere. They like they'll just throw. Like I, I don't. It's yeah. Remarkable. I, I'm I'm hoping though without Iserman back there that maybe their ability to juggle this will will start. Hopefully, to... yeah. Hopefully, Brewswell doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. But it's kind of like the Rams in football. Like you know when the Rams sign somebody and they're like, hey, how did you? How's this happening? And then they just keep like every single year they just have a big name signing on the offensive side of the ball. Like that's kind of what the Lightning are. So hopefully, uh, maybe it'll eventually fall through. But uh, until then. Congrats to the Lightning, I guess. They are pretty loaded, uh, and they might they might be back there next season as well. We'll see. I mean, again, it's going to be a weird uh, season in general. Uh, but speaking of the Cup, too, since uh, I believe this is new news. I haven't – I've never heard this story wow. before, and Kurt also caught it, too, and I, I, I don't know. If, I'm sure other people are talking about it. Apparently, Patrick Sharp said during one of the broadcasts, I think it was in Game 5, uh, Game 6 maybe, uh, that apparently Jonathan Taves during the 2010 Stanley Cup final got hurt in game six and wouldn't have played a game seven. So first of all, no. Like he, no. Do you know what I mean? Like he definitely would have played because it's, he's a... Con- I mean, I don't know. It no, depends on how no, bad no, he got hurt. no, no. Bergeron played through a punctured lung and the Bruins had a one a cup yet. We're talking about the first year that the Blackhawks would have won a cup 
Not like it would have been their first or three. You can't skate. I, but a lot of people test that. And a lot of people play through torn ACLs and shit. But, here, <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's my thing is it doesn't, I'm not even going to entertain this thought for a second because I, I can't think about what ifs yeah, with that you know series what? Yeah. anymore. I, I cannot do that to myself. Yeah. I don't hate myself enough to do that it anymore. Really, honestly, yeah. And also, that's the big thing. Like, at this point, it doesn't fucking matter. Like, well, you missed a shot, whatever. Like, we, I just, I wanted to throw, I wanted to get on top of that and say I, I'm not worried or upset thinking about that because I personally think there's no fucking way a Canadian captain of a, of a team in the Stanley Cup final for a game seven and he has a chance to end one of the most iconic franchises, like, huge drought like I, he he wasn't gonna miss that game i don't care what he had going on i i think he i don't know i think he would have eventually played through that that just seems like the hockey player thing to do and then we would have learned afterwards that he I almost mean, died on the bench I, or something without knowing any further information i really can't comment on it and <laughs> yeah, that's shame on you patrick sharp for trolling us even making us think fucking patrick sharp god damn it patrick sharp's patrick sharp's entire hockey existence is just to mock flyers fans like he just one of the worst trades in Flyers history, and he's like, "Oh, by the way, uh, you know things broke the right way. You guys could have won that cup in 2010." <laughs> Anyways, back to the stars lighting and the ceiling. Yeah, he's just made a real dickhead about it. Like I, th- I, I remember one of the NHL games. Like I think it might have been 13 or something. It was either 13 or 11. I was like, I immediately traded for Patrick Sharp. So I was like, I need to correct this travesty <laughs> of Flyers history. <laughs> just spending money on a video game just to make that trade happen <laughs> just to get some kind of indication <laughs> uh i was gonna talk let's talk uh let's talk about actual flyers news now a uh, couple couple big newsworthy events uh gonna really shift well the, uh... see i wasn't i wasn't quite ready to stop talking about the game the, oh, uh, right. the stanley cup oh, final okay. because there's one thing i wanted to bring up one very important thing to me and that is Pierre Maguire's microphone extender. Oh, go on. Did you see this? I, I mean, I've seen people using it, but I did not see Pierre's. Uh, I, I didn't see it after the game. No. All right. I'm going to send you the picture I took of my, my television screen <laughs> okay. of this. And I was just cracking up because it's just like <laughs> I tweeted the picture out. And I said, finally, a, a safe way for NHL players to interact with Pierre. But it's just like. It's just so bizarre the angle he's got it coming out of. I don't think he's holding it. I think there's like an assistant holding it. It's essentially like a boom boom mic, but it's like being held at like crotch level. <laughs> yeah, he's gotta lift that thing up. Yeah. <laughs> it looks, yeah. It looks like he's got a microphone dick and he's like pointed at Victor Hedman. That's exactly it is, what it looks yeah, like. It, yeah. it does look like a microphone dick. Yeah. Like Which, uh, oh, hey there, look what I got for you. It's a microphone. <laughs> Surprise. Yeah, hey Victor, why don't you look down? What do you think about this? It's pretty funny. Yeah, that's uh, no, that sounds very PR-esque, and also for him not to pick up on the awkwardness of it being around, uh, say, Dick level. Yeah, Dick high level. I mean, at least at least he's keeping a safe distance for the first time in his life because (laughs) Pierre, typically when he interviews an NHL player, let alone one he respects, he tries to get so uncomfortably close where he's basically like, "Can I just climb on into your mouth and keep on?" He he, he likes yeah, he likes to throw an arm around. Can I wear your entire body as a human suit and do the interview? (laughs) He likes to throw his entire arm around a guy and then just talk about like his back checking during his middle school days, and then that's like Pierre's in heaven when that happens. Just physical contact with like a middle six checking forward and just talk about like his hockey. Like three leagues removed, like not even not even the AHL team of the team he's on or like his junior team, like the team that he was about to like 
he was on before the team he got drafted with. Like that's how far back Pierre is going. Yeah. So it's it's insane. But it's that's insane. uh yeah. I, I don't have to comment on that. I wanted to comment on Gary Bettman not uh, getting booed by any of the players, <laughs> or, players <laughs> yeah. and not booing himself. Should have played that. Just wasn't the same without Gary Bettman. They really booed. yeah. Like if he wanted uh. If he wanted to poke fun at himself, he really should have piped in some booze. Like, honestly, that would have been the easiest way to win brownie points with fans. Because, like, you just make a little joke at yourself. Pipe in every other goddamn fan sound. Oh, yeah. Like, pipe in some booze for Gary Bettman. Yeah. Or, like, if they wanted to be obnoxious, they just give him, like, golf claps when he's presenting the cup. Pretending like everybody's being very gracious about it and not, you know, not actively booing the shit out of him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, the lightning. Yeah, it's very nice. Good hockey. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, <very laughs> oh, indeed. I also just wanted to quickly mention uh, John Cooper's reaction where he was just like talking about coming back like 35 pounds heavier and just like he was a big and shit. It was great to see. And John <laughs> Cooper's one of those guys who has been on the hot seat for a couple of years just because his team. Oh, how good they to, are to pull it out. Yeah. And he's a great coach. Like it, it really was shitty to see that. I, and yeah. I, I mean, it's, you know, selfishly, I was hoping they would fire him because then, you know, just bring him aboard. But uh they didn't. They stuck with him, and it, it paid off. Yeah, I was going to say, it really is. Like, he is one of those guys in the league that we really don't have a grasp yet of separating his abilities as a coach from a, a roster that's lacking. Because ever since he's come in, the Lightning have been Lightning have been this type of team. They've always been really, really good. But with that said, I, I do like John Cooper, and I do think he is... I feel like he still presses the right buttons. And I feel like there are a lot of other close calls where... There's a lot of stuff that can build up with narratives, but he, this team was up in series later in postseason. They just, just couldn't close it out. And when you go back and you look at some of the teams, they went on to, I think most of the teams they've been knocked out by have gone on to win the cup with the exception of the Blue Jackets last year. But like, I, I'm happy he won. Yeah, I'm like, I just, I'm not, this is the first time in a couple of while I was actually, I, like, I, I really, either side won, I think I was going to be fine with. And the Lightning, oh, yeah. I mean, the Lightning. You know, it took the Cavs forever to do it, and the Cavs were the best team in hockey for, you know, six or seven years there. And then they finally got over that hump. And the Lightning have been, they've been one of the better teams in hockey, and maybe the best team in hockey the last three or four years. And they finally made it over now, too. So it'll be interesting to see if they're able to. Uh, I mean, they're going to be able to bring back a lot of people. I think also there's one more year left of Palat, and if they really, like, if they wanted to get some out of some Cavs space, hell that would be one way to do it but i don't think they're trading Pilat. i mean he just skated on the first line during the postseason i feel like a guy like johnson i feel like some team like ottawa or fucking arizona or somebody is going to trade for tyler johnson and just help like bail them out and then they'll pay Braden point a big hefty 8.5 million for 10 years on his next contract or something dumb <laughs> something that just doesn't make any sense free florida yeah exactly just unbelievable but speaking of play uh paying some players money uh Flyers are doing that, and they're going to stop paying one guy some money because he retired. So let's uh, let's go hashtag Flyers news right here, Steve. That was a good segue. I'm not even listening for your reaction. But the big signing of the week, and I mean, you know, I'm pretty pumped about it. We're pretty pumped about it, Steve. Uh, Robert the Hitman Hag is coming back. Uh, Bobby Hits. Body bag Hag. Yeah, body bag Hag. He's, uh, he's back in action. Uh, two years, $1.6 a year. What can you say? The defense is uh, the defense is still going to be good next year. That's what this came down to. This one signing and uh, thirteen points. He had three goals and thirty eight shots on goal, ten assists in forty nine games, averaging fifteen thirty six time on ice uh, each year. His time on ice has gotten less and less. 
Always a good sign that the coach uh, trusts your play. Uh, lowest average ice time of the season. 7.9 shooting percentage, uh, the highest of his career. 46.62 expected goals for percentage and 62.3 goals for percentage. So uh, got a little bit lucky in terms of uh, what was expected to happen and what actually happened out there. Second lowest expected goals for percentage on the team ahead of Ghost. Again, Ghost. Phenomenal season. Also the highest goals for percentage on the team. Uh, the fourth highest goals for percentage in the league. Pretty good. However, I'm look, I'm interested to see if he's able to replicate that. And uh, looking at it, he was one of 14 defensemen with a 60 goals for percentage or higher. And Hag had the lowest expected goals for percentage out of them. And he was the only one of those 14 that was not able to drive play. Uh, out of those 14, he was the only Craig, one that was under 50, except the goals 4%. Lay it on me, Steve. What do you got? Yeah, what, what do you got to I say? Don't know, I don't know. Wait, wait. I don't know what you're on. <laughs> I don't know where you get off leaving out his most important stat. How are you going to talk about Oh, Robert my Hague, God. I didn't even mention it. body bag egg, and you don't bring up hits, his number one stat. <laughs> what Robert am I Hague doing? had 136 hits in 49 games played. That's not value. I don't know what is. That's actually, like, okay, all things considered, if your big thing is hits and you're not getting three hits a game, isn't that, like, what, 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 That's 2.77. Yeah, that's not, it's not three, though. And if you're only hitting, and like, as we're saying, it's not producing that much. I mean, he kind of did this year, but it's not. Well, it was down from the previous year when he averaged pie hits a game, 3.14. Oh, okay, there's the and three. And the year before that, he averaged... 3.4 so he is okay on a all right yeah so maybe it's becoming his hits and you know he's got the big devastating hits the ones you always notice you're like oh my god he just destroyed <laughs> oh, no i always remember those him. hits that he always lays out there and not certainly not little taps that count as hits by the barest definition of the word <laughs> that you don't even notice look they're all clear in the crease i i love these games i i love when they go in and like Robert Hag had about ten hits in that game. Like, where? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It's like if uh, you know, if the more separated, like you know, separated guys from the puck. All right, I, I'm here. I'll listen to that. I'll, the hits. The, there are successful, purposeful hits, but like you know, giving the guy the nudge after he already passed him the D zone, and the guy passes to is about to score. That doesn't doesn't mean anything to me. That's not really. A, I did have one more stat before I pushed on my glasses, but I wanted to, I wanted to throw this out there, Steve, and this is my favorite one. So, uh, 173 DMM played 650 or more at five and five minutes last season. Uh, PDL, that I talked about before, it's combining shooting percentage and save percentage, usually used as the barometer for luck on a season. If you're around 100, you had a pretty normal season. There's no expected swings either way in terms of like maybe getting some more bounces the next season or maybe getting fewer bounces. Uh, Anything higher, you're pretty lucky. So, out of those 173 defensemen, Hag had the highest PDO in the league. At 105.8 at 5 on 5. So, look, highest shooting percentage of his career. His ice time keeps dwindling. Uh, highest PDO of his career. I'm sure the next season is going to be great. Like, I'm sure things aren't going to, you know, fall back for him. And we're going to be questioning what happened to the Robert Hag that we missed and loved of, you know, this run in 2019-20 when uh, he just happened to be on the ice a lot when the pucks didn't go in. You know, we'll be looking back at those times. God, you know, him and Justin Braun, by the way, in the postseason. 38.33 expect the goals for percentage. Five, Flyers had five of the nine goals uh, while those two were on the ice at 5-5 five five in a little over 136 minutes. So 
again, I don't know what he's doing out there. Uh, I guess he's doing something to help not have the goal go in, but give up a lot of chances. So uh, that's Bobby Hag. That's Robert Hag for you. Uh, and uh, listen, I don't know what your issue is with Justin Braun, <laughs> but that guy played well with everybody he was paired up with. He looked sharp as a. We all like Justin Braun. And he he deserved every minute that he kept getting from the coaching staff. Kept getting no matter what from the coaching. Staff. I can't believe we just didn't call him paper towels. Like if he because Justin Braun Brawny and he just soaks up rebounds. Like we waited. I waited until October of 2020 when this man's gonna hopefully leave him free agency. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I mean that's like we could have been the Brawny men. We could have shown oh up in, so many missed opportunities. Yeah, it's I don't beanies on. Yeah, I don't even want to think about it if we're being honest. But that's so what what this means, Steve. Though is Shane Gossipier is getting fucking traded yesterday, and thank God, get that guy off my team. I mean, I'm tired of the points. I'm tired of the offense. I'm tired of his razzle dazzles. I need straightforward hockey, north to south. Sometimes you block a puck. A lot of the time you're in the D zone. That's what I want. That's why I love Get Ghost off this fucking team. Thank you for my TED Talk. If there's one thing we know about Craig Forsyth, it's that he hates Oh, I fucking hate offense, dude. I want, what I want is I hope next year the Flyers win the cup. They go 16-0. They outshoot their opponents 16 to nothing. One, get the early lead. Get to the red line. Dump it. Trap. I mean, we saw the Devils do it. Stars pretty much were doing it this year. Islanders did it to us. Get with the program. Flyers, okay? Trade all... Connect me. I saw people talk about trading Connect today. I don't want to trade it for Line. I want to trade it for, like, Roman Polak, and I, I don't even know who else is on... Uh, Cogliano and Blake Forget Como. Jack Just Eichel. get all those guys. Forget Jack Eichel. Don't, oh, my God. Are you kidding? Yeah, but I know he's on the block. Don't trade Connect me for a Jack Eichel. Trade him for a solid contributor. Thank you. That's And that's that's the point. That's the moral of the story. That's what we're getting at with this podcast. By the way, three assists in 12 playoff games for Heck. Ice time dropped in the postseason. So, again, ice time had been dropping each regular season. And then AV saw how well he was doing in the regular season. Was like, let's drop this down even more for the postseason. So, again, a guy that you know the coaching staff trusts and isn't just there. So, um, so that's Robert Hag. Alex Lyon also signed a deal. Uh, and he's definitely going to be the third goalie. Uh, 1-1-0 one, one and with an 8.90 save percentage this season in three games. Uh, and, again... It's going to be either Elliot or somebody else in free agency is actually going to be the the backup goalie. I hope it's not Lion. It should not be Lion, but Lion as the third option in the organization that is fine. And I guess that also feels like they uh, aren't ready to. I would be legitimately stunned if Chucky two trades had Alex Lion as the. Backup I hope. I mean, yeah, and so that either means that. He thinks that way, or that he isn't quite sure about Felix Sandstrom's and Kirill Ustamenko's uh, progress yet. And I think it's probably more one of those, which fine. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'd rather spend some money on a backup than go into this the, the season with Alex Lyon. Because uh, again, we're seeing the use of, of tandems for well, not exactly with the lightning argument, but I mean, Kadobin was the second guy in his pair this season and uh, played pretty well in the postseason. We saw the Blue Jackets have. Uh, the goalie factory, you know, going off the Eagles quarterback factory statement. Uh, there are a bunch of teams that just have two pretty capable goalies. And I think that'll set up an uh, interesting discussion when it comes to Carhartt's next contract and everything. But uh, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. So, all right. So two, uh, two signings down. Uh, and then the one player that retired, uh, Chris Stewart, who not a great flyer, but at one point in time, he was a halfway decent player. Like, in all honesty, I mean, it was years ago. 
in a little bit of a different league, but he was a, an actual useful forward uh, at one time. He had one assist in 16 games this season, averaging 747 time on ice. 322 points, 160 of which were goals in 668 games over 11 seasons for the Blues. Avs, Wild, Sabres, Ducks, Flames, and of course your Philly Floors. Uh, back-to-back 28-goal seasons in 2009-10 and 2010-11. Three hat-tricks over his career. And also, I didn't know this, and it's kind of funny to think about now because it's Chris Stewart. Three for three on penalty shots over his career. I looked it up because I remember him doing it in Philly. Last penalty shot was against the Flyers, against Steve Mason, in the Ducks 4-1 win in 2016, February of 2016. He scored and then pretty much just raised up his hand and, like, just, like, held it up, like, just, like, waving at the Flyers crowd and, uh, of course, pissed off all the Flyers fans. So, uh, kind of funny to look back on now knowing that, uh, you know, the Ducks are bad and that the Flyers made the postseason that year. But that is uh, Chris Stewart also joined the Flyers as a player development coach uh, to remain – Nolan Patrick's best friend. So, uh, again, it was... That's, that's all we want. <laughs> I mean, the thing about Chris Stewart is uh, everybody seemed to love him. Like, he was a popular freaking guy in the room. Yeah, and oh yeah, yeah. What I really, what I really noted about him was with everything going on with Black Lives Matter uh, over the summer and the NHL's response, that's who the Flyers looked to to figure yeah. their shit out, to say... We are very white Canadians. What can we do? They went to Chris Stewart to to figure things out. And, I mean, it just shows, you know, well, shows how little the Flyers know about these issues. But, I mean, it, you know, the <laughs> fact that they, they felt comfortable going to him right. and respected him. And you just hear nothing but glowing reviews about him from his teammates, despite the fact that he played, what, like two hockey games this year? Yeah. Or at least that's what it felt like for the Flyers. Not, not a ton. Uh, yeah. It says a lot. It speaks volumes. Yeah. There is, in all sincerity, there is a timeline where he would have, if he was on the Flyers earlier in his career, probably would have been one of my more favorite, like one of my favorite players because he he put up 28 goals and he was one of those guys that was just a rough and tumble guy, like crashing that type of player that also fought a lot. So, uh, like, he served a purpose when he was younger, he just, he's not that dude anymore. And like you said, he obviously was a good locker room presence. And it seemed like sincerely a locker room presence and not a guy that like they were trying to prop up as, Oh, he's also good in the locker room. Like they did with Andrew McDonald. It seemed like guys genuinely liked Chris Stewart. So, uh, he just, I mean, he was, he'd been out of the league and he was an older guy and he just wasn't, he just wasn't cut for the team. Uh, so, it is what it is, and he's uh, he's uh, got a new job with the Flyers work. So congrats to him. And uh, with all this said, the Flyers have six million two hundred thirty-five thousand two hundred seventy-three dollars in cap space, with eleven forwards locked up, uh, five defensemen locked up, and technically two goalies locked up. I want to talk about the goalies real quick because uh, I had a couple people mention it to me too. Uh, last week when I was talking about Carter Hart, I think I thought I was talking about comparing. Uh, the Vesna votes when I was talking about Bennington, um, I think Ronta, no, not Ronta, uh, Kemper and Tristan Jari. Uh, I was trying to talk about the Vesna, not the Calder. So if I was talking about the Calder last week and Carter Hart, I know he's not a, uh, he's not a, he wasn't eligible for it this season, I believe. But it was really more the Vesna because if fucking Tristan Jari and Jordan Bennington were getting votes this year, I thought our boy should have got one as well, but. That's neither here nor there. Uh, Brad wrote a piece about... I did want to talk about one uh, possible situation for the 4C hole because we've been talking about that a little bit. Uh, Brad wrote 
a piece today about a couple internal options. Wrote about Mark Friedman, who we've, we talked about a little bit in terms of uh, being the seventh defenseman. And again, he, we talked about Hag, like they might just not do anything on defense now and then just leave it as is and just re-sign Myers. And then you have, you know, you have everybody there with Friedman, but uh, who knows? Uh, but 4C, Connor Bunneman. I don't know if I entirely hate the idea of Connor Bunneman as the 4C to start the season and giving him time to establish himself between then and the deadline to prove that he is the guy on the fourth line. Um, and he had, again, Connor Bunneman had two points in 21 games, averaging 917 of ice time this season. Also, uh, we, you know, we dropped the name Echo and the Bunneman a bunch. Uh, and I also wanted to throw my, uh, reference out there and go with a uh, bunny day real estate. So Steve, I don't know if you know who they are, but it's uh that's deep pool. That's for uh, all you uh, music heads out there. All you, mu- all you uh, music people out there. Uh, so uh, you'll enjoy that reference. And then, uh, what do you call? So people that like eating food are called foodies, right? What, what do you call music people? Musicies? Is there a point to it or no? I, I'm, I, I don't, I think you just assume, people like i don't know it's foodies are just people that want to take pictures of their food right like i'm not i'm not like i think it more is that an oversimplification yeah i think it's an oversimplification music is a different thing music is yeah well i was gonna say i i think with music it it really goes more on genre based so like or you know band based so like you've got your fish heads and stuff like that. oh gotcha yes Yes, Deadheads. Deadheads, of course. All those stoner bands, yeah. I don't know why you're telling me about those, do you? But, stoner yeah. bands specifically yeah. have a lot of terms for their bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. the jam so. bands. Oh, yeah, jam bands, yeah. You know, Dave Matthews heads. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> hey, don't you, definitely don't you duck on DMB, all right? DMB is... They're called heads. <laughs> a little baby. Uh, do you think... All right. They're called the little baby. <laughs> do you think Stained or dmb is more rep- or smash mouth actually you know what smash mouth is probably the band to fly purple unfortunately i'm sorry wait what was the first one you said stained Stain- are you talking about the official fly purple yeah it's probably there? it's probably i mean like re- recent i mean smash mouth has been fucking killing it recently with all their i mean RGB smash tweets mouth has in there, become, yeah. you know a big time reference on the show I mean, Stained has been been around for a while. Yeah, that's, that's almost too much there. Uh, but Stained has been been around for quite a while on the show. Uh, Limp Bizkit is a, a favorite of the show. Not not for music purposes because they are abysmal, but because they're <laughs> just funny to make fun of. Do you know? Uh... When, uh, when Dave, this is gonna be a good joke, so get ready for it. So when Dave Matthews sees Bill Hader, uh, and Bill Clinton walking down the street and they both trip, that's where I got the inspiration for Trip and Billy. So it's the song that, um, so, okay, so that's the Flyers Cap situation. Uh, it's a little tight. That joke is, that's, that's not a good joke because I know it's Bill Hader's not around. (laughs) Technically, no, I mean, there's, but they've existed at the same time. There's a time in history where Bill Hader and Bill Clinton have been alive. So, like, they would have, I mean, you know what I'm saying. But Trip and Billy. Uh, retroactively. Steve, song. it's a good, don't poke holes in my joke. It's a good joke. Let's just, you know, let's, all right. Let's, uh, we're moving on. We're talking about free agency. I don't even want to. <laughs> Jack Eichel. Uh, pretty much Bob McKenzie had a whole thread about how Jack Eichel wants to be in Buffalo. Buffalo wants him there and how he isn't going to be traded. So let's fucking, let's talk up some, tra- let's talk shop, baby. Jack Eichel, what's going to take to get him here? I mean, let's give up the whole farm for him. That's what I'm doing. 
Uh, We've already got a Dave and Buster's, and as we know, that's the only thing to admire in Buffalo yeah. is their Dave and Buster's. So right. we can we can pitch them on that. Say, you just go down to if Marshawn Lynch played hockey. Do you think? I feel like he'd have to be a pronger type. Like he should just clear creases. I'm thinking of the the, the Buffalo video. That's what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking power forward. I could see that too. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, I'm just thinking of yeah, power forward for sure. Yeah, just big ass dudes that can throw their weight around. So, like, I think of like, yeah, power forwards pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at this point, at this point, I feel like Marshawn Lynch has retired and come back to football a couple times. He was on Westworld this last season oh, for yeah? some reason. Okay. Uh, yeah, he was, he was. So you know, he's crossover hit now. So why can't he just dive into the world of hockey? <laughs> Sign him, Chuck Fletcher. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah, let's see what he can do. Uh. And then Kurt also wrote an article today about, uh, based off of uh, the thread that I was obviously illustrating that Eichel is on the move and has played his last game as a Sabre, uh, throwing out the question of, since Eichel is the most important piece for the Sabres, who is the most important piece to the Flyers right now? Like, who is the, who's just the most important Flyer? And he threw out Provorov, Couturier, Hart, and then the option of another. Uh, I wanted to see where your choice was here. I am leading. Name my top three right there. I mean, I if I had to pick one, I, I think it's got to be Hart. I don't know. I think it's got to be Hart I, right now. I would, I would go with Hart or Couturier. It's I would. I'm only saying Hart because the Flyers have never had a goalie in their existence, and also Hart's only like 13 years old, so they're gonna have him for a while. He's a, a player in the like. Uh, he's playing a position that the Flyers have needed for years now. And the goalie is the most important piece. Uh, again, it's going to be interesting because, uh, I mean, I got some ideas of on, on paying goalies contracts, like huge, huge contracts. And, uh, I mean, it worked out for Vasilevsky and everybody, but, you know, one of our... a year for 10 years? Yeah, I was going to say, our, our running joke on here, too, is the carrot price dispute. And uh, there's a couple other contracts like that. And also, uh, I think it's not really about even having the best goalie at times. It's just about having a good goalie that plays really well. For a certain stretch. So, uh, and that's kind of hard to lock down and make sure you have for five to 10 years. So, really, uh, I'm kind of thinking, uh, yeah, yeah, again, we'll get to the Carter stuff in a bit. I don't want to pay him, but you're, I think I want it to be I mean, a, a tandem three, situation. Though, I, I think you can't even debate, though, the fact that it comes down to one of those three players, if not. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, because as important as a guy like Travis Konechny is to the future of this club. And I love Travis Konechny. And as we saw with the playoffs, you know, if he's not going, the Flyers offense really at this point is not quite going where it needs to go. Uh, it still comes down to the fact that, you know, Sean Couturier was the same thing. If Sean Couturier has a, and he did a lot, don't get me wrong. Right, right. If he has a better postseason still, I mean, the Flyers might beat win that Islander series right there mm. based on that alone. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it doesn't come down to just that factor. But I, what I'm trying to say is, like, as important as a guy like TK is, Sean Couturier is a guy that, as the Flyers, as Sean Couturier goes, the Flyers go. Provorov is very important because he plays, you know, 22, 23, 24 minutes a night, if not more. And carter hart how often do you get a young stud goalie especially in philadelphia no that's that's exactly what i'm saying and i also feel like as much as i love to talk about the stats and the spreadsheets and you know i go to bed thinking about the advanced stats and everything goalies cancel out everything so if you have a good and we kind of saw it for most of this postseason with the flyers because the flyers forwards just refused to score and it was carter hart just dragging this team through a bunch of games uh, as well so 
I uh, pro, but like Provorov and Katori are obviously major pieces. So this isn't like a Provorov again. I I think he's the guy I want being. The, like there are some knocks and some questions about him possibly being the one D going forward. But I, as for as far as I'm concerned, I'm I'm fine with him being the first defenseman for years to come. And Katori, I mean, we always talk about Katori, and we always. I, I mean, there's really not much to hate about Katori's game, but. Uh, Based on the voting, uh, and I looked at the voting around 3.30 today, uh, they were saying what we were saying. So Hart's at 66%, Katori is at 22%, Provorov is at 10%, uh, and I think like other was at 2%. And I really, out of the other options, I guess maybe we're thinking like, maybe people are thinking Morgan Frost? I don't know. Or like, because uh, like Konechny, again, like you lay it out, he is, like we can see what he can do, but then there are times like this postseason where I mean, he just was kind of non-existent. And also, I don't know, like a 25-goal, well, not even yet, but like a, a, a top-line winger really maybe isn't the, like very rarely is always the most important like player in your franchise, unless you're the Caps. But, uh, yeah, absolutely. And But a number one two-way center is such a huge deal. Yeah, yep, yeah. Uh, or Kucherov, I mean, Kucherov is another guy, but points also on the Lightning, too. Yeah, I mean, Kucherov's one thing, but, like, they also don't win that cup if not for Braden Point's No, no, absolutely not. Yeah, and Braden Point was... Like, obviously, they needed both those guys, but having Braden Point play like he did... Braden Point, yeah. ...was mine. Like, that... I I had a lot of trouble. I almost put a bet down for Con Smythe, and I just couldn't decide. I didn't place it because I couldn't decide between Point, Kucherov, or Hedman who was going to win it. I mean, it was... Like, I think Kucherov lost a little bit of his, like, appeal at the end. And also, of course, after we recorded on Thursday, Hedman was on the ice for, like, three terrible goals in the next two games. But, like, Hedman and Point were, yeah. I mean, they, all three of them were pretty ridiculous. And, uh, yeah, Plot had, I think Plot had uh, a bunch of goals, too. I think he was up there. I think he may have been second on the team in goals. So, they, again, the lighting are loaded, and they 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 made no excuses this postseason. <laughs> they won all the close games. They blew teams out. They won all sorts of games. They won all sorts like playing all sorts of styles. Whatever they they were the best team in hockey. Yeah, yeah. But going back to the the most important flyer uh, as far as like the future goes and everything, Frost is is important. But I don't know. Like it's hard to gauge I, just yeah. how important he is because we we haven't really seen him uh, for an extended period at the NHL level. And until we do, until we see exactly what he's capable of, and. One of the things we're still talking about with Morgan Frost is him putting on more weight. Yeah, and, yeah, and he and played in the kind NHL. Filling out physically, which is it's a big deal. Yeah, 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 and that and that's true. Yeah, and I was the only reason why I was throwing that is because he isn't. We don't know what he is yet, and also he is expected to be the the next game changing prospect on the Flyers pipeline. So maybe people invest, but a very small amount of people invested in that, thinking about that down the line rather than looking at the first three options, but any of these three guys, I think. I'll be honest with you, Craig. I actually think at this point, Nolan Patrick is the more important vital question because if Nolan Patrick just can't play again, you know, let's just say these, these issues persist worst case scenario and he just can't get back to the game of hockey because of his migraine issues. That's a huge gap for the flyers to try and fill in their future. I yeah, I mean, I you no, you're right. I just I, I'm thinking because now because if he if he can play, like that's such a difference. Maybe. Yeah, I th- because that's a a a two three center at 
least oh yeah for the future because we we know what he's capable of we know he hasn't put it together yet because of injury issues or consistency issues or whatever but when you see those flashes from nolan patrick when you see that talent the passing touch he has that guy is so freaking good but it's the consistency and obviously the injury issues and now we're talking primarily about the migraine issues but when he's on he is awesome and that's a player the flyers have to look forward to in the future consistently that's a very bright future but if they don't they really you know that that's a big hole in the system and the future no no you're right yeah i'm thinking by now though i they got to be embracing for that a little if bit. If we're talking right now, it's those three guys, and I don't want to hear a conversation uh, oh, about anybody yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, no. I'm saying, like, if they, but I'm talking about the Flyers. Like, if they're, I'm thinking right now, it will definitely hurt their future, but I'm thinking they got to prepare in case he actually does not play again. Like, if you don't have a guy play for a whole count, like a whole year, you got to be thinking of, of possible, like, this guy may not be in our future. And not even, like, a get him off the roster. It's just, like, again, all, all the shit he's going through, there is no timeline. There is no, oh, he should be training hard to help overcome this. It's all just, there's no help in it. Like, it's just, unfortunately, he's pretty much at the mercy of whatever his diagnosis is. Like, he's got to figure out a way. It, he doesn't have to figure anything out. He's just got to be patient and hope it gets better. Um, and I, right, I want right. to But I was just talking about, like, yeah, yeah. as far as, like, you want to talk about vital guys for the future, yeah, yeah. essentially, and vital flyers, like, Jack Eichel is clearly the guy for the Sabers, but it's, yeah, I, I don't know. It's but I, I was just saying like people mention Morgan Frost, but I think Nolan Patrick's more important. Okay, I gotcha, I gotcha. I will say this though, I'll trade Nolan Patrick for Jack Eichel. There, I said it, and you know what? I don't care who comes after me for saying it. That's just take. I, I just actually I think the only person that's going to kill me for that stuff actually, <laughs> that might be the only person. But besides that, like everybody else is on my my side there. Uh, other free agents to look at real quick. Uh, Bobby Ryan was bought out by the Senators. Or, he's, yeah, he's about to be bought out. So, no... So, he wins the Masterton, and two days later... Uh, yeah, I'll see. Just, yeah, I mean, that is... Uh, the Senators are funny. They're a funny group uh, out there. Eugene Melnick is a, is a pretty funny guy. But also, I mean, the, the Bobby Ryan's story this year was... I mean, his whole life has been a pretty interesting story, for lack of better terms i guess but uh this year too like he overcame or he publicly battled alcoholism and everything and then got help for it his regular season uh is obviously i mean like his numbers are pretty much going to be lowly because he missed a good chunk of the season he had eight points in 24 games his hat trick and his return to ottawa after he came back uh was his only multi-point game of the season um 3304 that has broken 20 goals or 45 points since 2015-16. So he's just not Bobby Ryan anymore. Yeah, but the My, Senators. He, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean... Like, they have nothing going on for them. Yeah. No, I mean, that's the thing with them. Is like, I, I don't know why. Like, this is just another thing, I guess, they really do for bad press. Like, you... I mean, is it is it a cash move or something like that? Like a payroll thing? Like, uh, I think they still have to get to the point It's not like they're going to sign a big free... Like, no big free agent. Like, Alex Petrangelo is not going to get out there and go, you know what looks good? The Ottawa, uh, Ottawa. Yeah, the Ottawa's looking hot and ready right now, so let me go up. Uh, yeah. No, no, I don't think they... I don't believe so. And I mean, I know they have a big draft coming up, but, like, that doesn't... You don't need to buy, buy a Bobby Ryan for that. Also, you're the, you're the centers. You have plenty of time and space. Yeah. Plenty of cap space to go pay for whoever. So I don't know. That's I, I'm not. But he did get bought out. 
Uh, so he's a free agent. No, thank you. Uh, Trevor Lewis uh, is another another guy that's going to be a free agent. Also, no, thank you. Uh, 33-year-old winger had 12 points, 6 goals, 6 helpers, and 56 games this season, averaging 11.54 time on ice. Career-high 14 goals and 26 points in 2017-18. A new thank you. Uh, I just, he's not, I mean, he's fine, but I, I don't want to add him. I'd rather just keep it, like, if we're going to bring in a guy that is just going to be in the bottom six and used for speed. And, uh, I mean, Trevor Lewis, I, I, I don't know. I think I'd take Pitlick over Lewis and speed. I mean, I haven't really exactly been keeping up and doing uh, time trials on the Kings, like full, you know, full sprint speed during games. But I feel like uh, Pitlick's one of the faster skaters in terms of what we'd want in the bottom six. So I'm not interested in Ryan or Lewis. Uh, one guy I'm interested in, and it sounds like he's going to be available, is uh, Tori Krug. Uh, it's a UFA this summer, and apparently he will be hitting the open market. Uh, Sarah Valley last heard that Boston's offer, or most recent offer to Krug, was six years with a cap at $6.5 million a season. Uh, and this is also, uh, according to Rear Admiral uh, Spit and Chicklets, uh, I believe that's that who he, yeah, uh, thinks Boston is going to trade his rights uh, to Colorado. He could trade his rights to uh, Colorado, Florida, Vegas, or Detroit are some of the teams that are interested. Uh, again, if they wanted to trade his rights, they'd have to do it pretty soon because uh, each day we're getting closer and closer to free agency. But that would be a just trading for Krug's rights, which I feel like they might be hard-pressed to do. Uh, and I would take a run at Tory Krug in free agency. So, I mean, if we're looking at Craig's projected uh, defense, and in my opinion, there's no reason Chuck Fletcher can't do all of this. So... Provorov, Petrangelo on the top pair. Sanheim Myers on the second pair. Krug, Niskanen on the third pair. Who says no? Who says no? I can't. Thank say you. That. Maybe the NHL because of cap compliance, like you know, cap compliance. But well, I mean, fuck the league. Whatever. Let's load up this blue line, and then we'll become the rebels of the league that forfeit every game because we're too good. Uh, you know what? That's a good tagline, actually. If the the Flyers don't play a single game next season. And it's because they have to forfeit. But you look at the defense and the rest of the league's like, you know what? They didn't play, but fuck, they got a deep blue line. I mean, look at that. And then they'll probably, like, teams will probably give the wins back to the Flyers. And then you think about it, they'll be well-rested for the postseason. They got to do this. I think this is the way Fletcher has to go, in my opinion. Right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, obviously. (laughs) Yeah, that's the way. (laughs) But for real, I like Tory Crew. I did talk about Brandon Carlo before. He is... A lot of his underlying numbers and his time is spent with Krug. Uh, Krug is a mobile defenseman, left-handed, but mobile defenseman that uh, can generate a ton of offense. 126 power play points uh, since 2015-16 are the second most for any defenseman in the league behind Brent Burns. Uh, And I, again, anytime we can add a guy that's mobile and can provide a lot of offense uh, from the blue line, I'm, I'm going to be for it. I, the thing with him is he's a mobile blue liner that might have some issues in the D zone, and I feel like the Flyers have a bunch of that, those guys on the blue line right now. I would take Krug to upgrade that, but I don't know if I really want to – I don't know. I, I'd rather just add Krug rather than take away a guy to replace with Krug on this blue line. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. 
and I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snacket. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies, like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Um, and then we talk about the 2018 Stanley Cup. So, Steve, uh, we're, we're doing it for the first time in years now. Go back in the Craig's draft corner real quick. Uh, we got two cases of these. We got this yeah, week and next week. <laughs> That's right. And uh, we're going to talk about a couple guys that could go uh, 23rd overall to the Flyers. So I just picked out a bunch of names to talk about. Uh, and I wanted to start off by, I was going to talk about the guy I've written about twice now for some reason. And there's no reason. It's not like I'm really in love with him. I just wrote about him twice. Uh, but... On a, I saw in comments on one of those articles, uh, uh, Eamon, that always listens to us uh, and always tweets to us and stuff, big fan of the show, friend of the show, uh, asked me how I felt about Connor Zary of the WHL compared to Jacob Perot. And I was going to talk about those two players because they both might be available for the Flyers of 23, both considered high upside offensive forwards, but also uh, get those points in two very different ways. And I'm telling you right before I get into it, I'm a big fan of Jacob Perot. So I would lean towards pro between these two, but let's go. Let's profile these two guys real quick. Uh, Connor Zary, I talked about last week. Cam uh, Loops Blazers and WHL. Uh, six foot, one hundred and eighty-one pound center. Nine, he's went nineteenth in Quarter Promise uh, mock, nineteenth on draft site, and thirteenth on Wheeler's top one hundred prospects. Uh, dropped from fifteenth to seventeenth among North American skaters in Central Scouting rankings. Uh, 86 points in 57 games this year, 38 goals, has the most amount of goals over the last two seasons among first-year draft-eligible WHL forwards. A lot to say, but it's still a pretty impressive stat. Also finished with the fifth most amount of shots in the league this season in the WHL. Uh, again, 2A forward can pretty much do everything. There's some issues about his, uh, some concerns over his skating and the fact that he doesn't have one distinct, str- one distinct strength that if you're drafting a guy that high, you can bank on you'll be able to use that, or you'll get to see that in the NHL. Does every does a lot of things well. Really big two way presence has a pretty good shot. Does a good job of getting open for teammates to set up passes. Also creates a lot of chances for his teammates. Uh, isn't afraid to put the puck on the net, and 
can score in a variety of ways, but he it's not like he has an elite shot. He's not blazing fast. He's not like a defensive monster. There's not anything that makes him, I guess, necessarily jump out off the page at you. And also, with that, it but does... But he's versatile. He's versatile. Yeah, he is versatile. And also, the thing, too, is... The thing is, like, players like this, I guess, it wouldn't be that much of a concern. It's just also when I'm looking at him and knowing, you know, I for some reason, this is a guy I really dug into. He has a couple of guys that were... Uh, overagers on the club that he played with that were some of the top point getters in WHL as well. So there is, you could make the argument that maybe those guys were kind of carrying him to an extent, but when I watch the highlights and I look at tape bump, he seems, seems to be doing a lot of the work there. So I wouldn't mind him. Jacob Fro though is the kind of guy. I, I mean, if he somehow falls to the flyers and who knows if he will, that should be, uh, that's who I'd like the flyers to take so far based off the limited number of guys I've really been paying attention to Five uh, eleven. 198-pound right winger, um, had uh, 70 points in 57 games with the Sarnia Sting in the OHL this season, back-to-back 30-goal seasons, had 30 goals and 25 assists for 55 points in 63 games last season. Uh, Yannick Rowe's kid, uh, the former center uh, center for the Maple Leafs and uh, Canadians back in the day, he went 22nd in Promens Mock, 18th on draft site, and he's the 25th-ranked prospect on Wheeler's Top 100. So, like, again... Right, right in that area where, if a couple teams decide they want to, you know, take invest somewhere else besides offense, it could mean that Pro is going to end up coming to the Flyers. One of the, and for perspective, uh, on his, uh, he had thirty nine goals this season in the OHL. For perspective, they're one of thirteen. He was one of thirteen OHL players with thirty nine goals or more. And I also want to throw out there uh, Shane Wright, who we're going to be talking about a lot for the years to come, and uh, we'll mention right now on the podcast. Uh, anticipated twenty. 22 first overall pick had 39 goals in the OHL this year. He's 16 years old, so he is going to light the world on fire. And if the Flyers want to tank for him and go for him for the first overall pick in two years, I'm about it. Uh, elite prospect said that Pro is a pure sniper with one of the best shots in his draft class. It's accurate, hard, and he can score from anywhere. His ability to catch and shoot pucks and stride when he, the passes aren't in his wheelhouse is a transferable skill that will serve him well. I've also seen that uh, he, a lot of people say he might have the best shot in the draft outside of Alexander Holtz, who is going to be gone by the time the Flyers draft. I saw him going in the top 10 on both prominent and draft sites, mock draft. Uh, Holtz is a, a big, or a Swede that is currently third uh, in his third SHL season. And yeah, it just won't be there for the Flyers. But yeah, or, uh, <laughs> yeah, Perot. <laughs> I said Yannick. <laughs> But uh, I, th- I think Pro is the guy that Jacob Pro is the guy that I kind of want the Flyers to uh, focus on here, because uh, I I was telling you before the show I was trying to go back and find guys like Braden Point who had two monster seasons in his junior league and was available for a draft and somehow just kind of fell back later in the draft and to the third round. Uh, and Pro looking at it, he may not fall. He's not expected to fall anywhere near the second round or anything like that. But he has a pedigree of just already. I mean, he's already got back-to-back 30-goal seasons in a league that's pretty hard to score in. Well, I like the idea of a sniper, and I know a lot of Flyers fans will agree with that because if there's, I think that's the number one thing you hear Flyers fans complain about is the lack of a pure goal scorer, a sniper. So that's, and I think the other thing that we can look at recent drafts, I would say probably the last 10 years of traps even uh the flyers get a lot of reliable players guys that are almost sure shots to make the nhl but not necessarily be like 
flashy players. Mm-hmm. I, I think it, I would like to see the Flyers take a few more swings for the fence, you know, go for some of these, like, you know, a little riskier, big, a little risky. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know what you're players. saying. Yeah. And we're about to talk about one of those. And I was going to go off your point real quick. Uh, you're right. And they don't ever really go for, they don't go for the Cole Caulfields. They don't go for the guy that going into the draft, everybody's like, this guy fucks. All he does is score goals. Flyers should draft him. They always seem to never, like Eli Tolvanen was another one. They never seem to go after those types of players. But as Promen pointed out in his draft, uh, in his mock draft, the Flyers, because they've been drafting pretty well for a while now, I don't know who started that whole process in Philly, but because they've been drafting so well now, they had the luxury of taking swinging for the fences on a guy that we're going to talk about. But I, I, for me, the thing with Pro, and like you just said, Flyers fans want a sniper, and despite all the, the cries from the fans that are pretty much deserved, like, you know, deservedly so, they uh, really don't have one in the pipeline. They have a couple goal scorers that are expected to reach the league and provide goals in the NHL, like Wade Allison and Isaac Radcliffe. And even it's looking more and more like Noah Case is that guy. And they have really, really prospects that are dynamic and are expected to make just ridiculous plays in the NHL, like Morgan Frost and Bobby Brink. But those guys aren't necessarily, there are no more for setup and just kind of like, finishing in close, not really for having extremely heavy shots or just being able to like a sniper, like none of them have gaudy numbers in juniors for having like 40 or 50 goal seasons or anything. However, this guy, not the biggest point totals, but he is considered to be a guy that is kind of polarizing and could be that guy that the Flyers take a chance on and could pay off for them further down the road. And uh, looking at the options at 23, the one guy I wanted to talk about after Pro and Zary is uh, Noel Gunler. Uh, who went again? Remember the Flyers picking twenty third overall. Hell of a name. Start off. Uh, uh, Newt, Newt Gunler, was, uh, <laughs> a weird Star Wars character. Let me tell you. <laughs> I just like the idea of a sniper being named Gunler. So uh, Flyers picking twenty third overall. No Gunler style. Okay, I'm done. All right. Oh my god. All right. So Flyers picking twenty third overall. Uh, draft site has Gunnar going 23rd. Uh, when Prowman did his mock back in August, the Flyers were picked in 20, 25th. He had Gunnar going to the Flyers at 25th. And then out of the top 100 prospects on Wheeler's list, uh, Gunnar is 10th. So there's a lot of intrigue around this guy right now when it comes to the Flyers going first overall. Also, one of my buddies, Steve, has been talking him up for a while. Not the Steve on the podcast, college, went to college with him, has been talking him up for a while now, too. Uh, it wouldn't be me. yeah. <laughs> drop six, drop from six to ninth among European skaters on Central Scouting uh, Services rankings. Six foot two, one hundred and seventy four pound winger plays left and right. Thirteen points, uh, four of which were goals in forty five games this season for, or last season for Lulua HF and SHL. Uh, currently has zero points and two pims in his first two games of this SHL season. Uh, third different season in the SHL already, which is kind of a if we were living in a normal timeline, he would have had two SHL uh, seasons worth of experience under his belt, which for a draft pick, first round, like first year draft eligible guy is kind of a big deal. Like if you go back and look at first round or anybody in the draft that's played overseas against like, you know, quote unquote against men in pro leagues or whatever, they, it goes a long way in terms of their development and being making the jump to the league quicker and kind of helping their franchises out like that. So Gunnar has that going for him. Uh, and he is just a ton of offense. A goal scorer with great offensive instincts, 
great shot um and he's able to get himself like he sets himself he gets himself open a lot uh to be set up to use his ridiculous shot so um the big knocks on him are the reason why he's a polarizing player uh, and apparently this is everybody that watches him or likes him uh, apparently his shift to shift consistency isn't great and also his play away from the puck which i feel like are two things that can kind of be ironed out or he just becomes a guy that scores 35 goals and irritates you so who knows it's a grab bag but uh i like i said Promen did lay out the See, i can get behind that though. i can get, I can get oh no that. i'm behind that too and again we've we've picked enough of those safe picks that honestly, I, I mean, like some of the I'm, I'm thinking of mainly German Rusoff right now, but like Rusoff was picked as one of those guys that was like a get infected. It's like low floor or not low floor, high ceiling or high floor, and then you just kind of hope he pans out to be like a middle six guy, and it's looking, you know, he he can still that can still happen, but. It's not looking great, but I'd rather start. I mean, if they have enough in the pipeline and have a pretty good team now, and they're going to keep collecting, you know, picks and everything, I I say take a risk on a guy like this right now. I want them to. They need to go out and get. When you look at what the team has right now, and you look at what's in the pipeline, goal score. They need to get a guy with a good shot, sniper, goal scorer. I think in the first round, that's where I would invest it. You should be fine in net for a while, and even if something does happen with Carter Hart or. You know, they listen to me and trade him in a couple of years when they, you know, he's asking for like 11 mil after he won the Flyers a couple cups. And they want, they still have Felix Sandstrom, Urasan, and Kirill Ustamanko, who are no guarantees or locks to make it, but are still here. Um, defense, defense should be good for a while. It doesn't mean keep drafting defensemen, but I think Perov, Sandheim, and Myers are here for a while. That's three guys. You got Cam York and Igor Zamula on the way. That's, um, you should be able to get at least one of those guys in your top four as well. So, the defense is kind of set for the near future. And then on offense, like we just ran through, there are a bunch of guys that really dynamic playmaking capabilities are like, or are going to be like kind of two-way monsters again, like, like Faraby and Noah Cates and guy and like Tanner Lazinski are all guys, all guys I love having in the system and I'm happy they're here, but they're all going to be guys that you like, you, they, they need goal scores. Like we, like we just watched this postseason. They need more guys. I think that can finish or not. Finish consistently, I guess. So, like, getting that big-name guy, I think Gunler could be that guy. Uh, and so I like Gunler. I like Perot. I like Zary. This guy I'm not a big fan of. I'm bringing him up because I saw him projected to be around the Flyers pick. But I can tell, you know, I don't really like saying I don't like a prospect before they eventually make it to the NHL because, you know, I don't know. You never know how that career is going to turn out. It also depends on what, you know, pipeline it gets into because a lot of teams do draft and develop well, no matter who they get. But just based off of like other, <laughs> other things I was reading, it sounds like a lot of people aren't high on this guy named Ridley Gregg. Uh, he is a 5'11". I'm not a big fan of the way he spells his name. Uh, R-I-D-L-Y. I mean, what happened to the E? And also, why is your name, last name Gregg spelled G-R-E-I-G? So right off the bat, terrible name. 24th, <laughs> tw- he went uh, 5'11", 189-pound left winger uh, with a kind of a late birthday. So he may even get, like, he, he was kind of lucky in that way. The, the cutoff is September 15th every year. So, like, Zeri is a really early birthday. He was born on September 25th. So he's older for this draft class. So, you know, during the your junior years or your, when you're playing before you play professionally, it's a huge advantage. Like, 
bit having that much of an age advantage on these guys. So Greg's had a little bit of an advantage because he has a, a mid-August birthday, but still. Uh, 24th on Promens Mock, 21st on Draft Site, 64th on Wheeler's uh, Top 100 Prospects. So right there, I formed this opinion before I saw those rankings from Wheeler, so I'm glad that he kind of showed it there. Uh, 25th to 14th on Central Scouting Rankings for North American Skaters, however. Uh, 60 points in 56 games this season for the Brandon Wheat Kings and the WHL, 26 of which were goals. Um, and it sounds like the thing is like his highlights look great, but the thing that Justin Blades of uh, Habs Eye on the Prize pointed out, that guy that does a decent amount of uh, prospect work for him out, uh, pointed out, uh, his uh, ability to be around the puck, and the, he's got great ability around the puck, he's got speed, and he's got great vision. But when you're looking at the highlights, this is what Justin Blades said, uh, I believe it's just as important to look for the types of goals that aren't being scored as much as it is to watch for our offensive skills. The majority of the scoring plays you see are from quick turnovers for odd man rushes or his mostly stationary man advantage play. Little of his offense results from the hardworking, relentless style of play scouts are most impressed with, and that raises some significant concerns. So it's... Like I was talking about before, the concern maybe with Zary because he's playing with two very good overage guys, and you might be worried about them boosting production for him. Sounds like that's like Ridley. It's like you watch the highlights, and it's kind of evident right there. Uh, and I mean, again, his highlights look good, but it's I don't know. It just sounds like there's not a lot to build around there, or a guy that you necessarily want to take. Like you're talking about taking risks on a guy. This isn't a guy I want them to take. A risk on uh and also i was reading somewhere else somebody the biggest uh concern they had for him was uh the strength of his shot so like and that's in junior hockey which is like that shouldn't be a thing right now so i it just seems like there are a lot of red flags around this guy but i will say when the flyers do undoubtedly pick this guy with a 23rd overall pick i'm sure things can be improved uh and i'm sure once he you know, he might start looking better next season. Maybe he was playing through some injuries this year. Who knows? But uh, this would be a, like one of the picks that, again, I don't really want to dunk on any prospect just because whatever. Uh, but I, I just I wouldn't be as excited about him as it would be some other options here, it sounds like. And then... Uh, the, okay. Yeah, I mean, I got... Not ready, not ready to bury Greg yet. Although I think... I think you might have some resentment over his name because it reminds you too much of when everybody call me the spellings of <laughs> yes. your name that you get in the Slack every day, the BSH Slack. Oh, oh, Slack. Uh, also, just everywhere in real life. I can't tell you. I mean, I kind of hate my parents for giving me a name that's like everybody knows the name Greg, and then I want to say I don't know, thirteen percent of the society knows like Craig's. Like I'll go, they'll go, "What's your name, Craig? Greg? No, Craig." And then they look at me and they go, Greg? And I'm like, no, <laughs> that's not what this is. But anyway, uh, Matt, last one, Maverick Bork. I got two more anyway. Maverick Bork uh, playing the QMJHL, 71 points, 29 goals in 49 games for the Shawnigan Cataracts. Uh, back-to-back 25-goal seasons in the QMJHL. Again, looking for the pedigree of consistently scoring before getting drafted. Uh, 23rd on Promins rankings, 22nd on draft site, 16th. On Wheeler's 100 rankings. Uh, 5'11", 185-pound center. Hockey IQ is ridiculous and uses a lot of deception with the puck. Uh, just looking at his highlights, stuff like bank shots, no-look passes, drop passes. like Just kind of flashy with the puck. But um, 
even with that said, uh, Steve Corneanos kind of goes against what I just said. It said Bork doesn't need to put on a show or hog the spotlight to look flashy or impressive. It simply comes out naturally. He likes to remain upright and ob- observe play uh, quite frequently, but he can drop a uh, quick first pass from defensive zone, dart into open ice with a long stride. Although Bork isn't o- overly physical, he is willing to take a hit to complete a play. He's definitely more of a silent assassin than someone who makes a lot of noise during his shifts, but by the end of the night, he'll have three or four points and at least three or four or five quality shots on that. So most of that, outside of the, you know, blow the doors off and just fly through people in the open ice, uh, sounds like Oscar Limbaugh to me. It just sounds like a guy that does a lot of little stuff right. But also, you know, when you're looking at the numbers afterwards, you he was involved in like five to six chances, and you don't really quite remember them, but... They were all there, and it seems like every shift, you know, Limblom goes out there, he does the little things right, and this sounds kind of like a guy that can go do the same type of thing. But uh, his the big knocks on him are he doesn't have elite speed yet, and also his size, which again, you you can add you can add on weight, and five eleven isn't short in the NHL. Um, so I this is a guy I think I'd be a pretty big fan of. Uh, the QMJHL is. Kind of one of the more open leagues, though. You usually see a lot more higher point totals in that league. And, uh, you know, in limited games, he put up 71 points. That's still pretty good for a first-year guy. And if he's available at 23, I think I'd be... I, I would be for this guy as well. It would be kind of more in the Zeri light, though, where it's not exactly... It's another high-end offensive prospect, but it's not a guy that fulfills uh, the need of the franchise that has kind of been there for a while, and it looks like there's no clear answer right now which is, again, uh, goal scoring. And Lucas Reichel, last guy I'll talk about to end my 55-minute draft Wait, corner. wait, wait. Before, oh, yeah, keep going. Before we move on, we need to talk about the spelling of this name. Maverick Bork, you have this spelled here, M-A-V-R-I-K. This is missing at least two So words. I'm saying, so like, yeah, so, and again, he spells it like a weirdo. Uh, uh, my friend Mike's kid spells it correctly. Uh, M A V E R I C K, and also it might be Maverick. I don't, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure it's Maverick. I've, I, it's got to be Maverick. Yeah, it's got to be, and it's M A V R I K. Yeah, oh yeah, you know, he's true. a Bork and a hockey player. Like they clearly intended for it to be Maverick, but it's, and it's just, if you're gonna be Maverick, spell it Maverick. Yeah, spell, it's spell it the right way. Yeah, so I agree. That's exactly yes. <laughs> Maverick. That sounds like a rebranding. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does sound like you're trying to not. Yeah. Uh, last guy I was going to talk about, Lucas Reichel. Let's talk about some, uh, a little bit of German hockey here. Uh, six foot, 172 pound left winger, 24 points, 12 goals, 12 assists, and 42 games with the Ice Baron Berlin in the DEL, the Deutsche Ice Hockey Liga. Again, playing against men already. Five points in seven games for Germany at the World Junior Championship in the most recent WJC. Um, 18th on Promens Mock, 27th on Draft Site, 24th on Wheeler's Top 100 Prospects. Moves from 14th to 11th on European Skaters uh, Central Scouting Rankings, which I think it's kind of funny that he's that low on the European rankings, but he's projected to be a first-round pick. You don't really see that uh, a lot. But uh, I did want to point out one of the things I love doing with Draft Corner, and uh, I'll do it more next week too if I find these guys, crooked stat lines. So just figuring out... Like, seasons where these draft picks were just, like, the joke in the end. Like, the the reason that that league just didn't make any sense. Or, like, knowing that these coaches have to prepare for this player going into that. So, looking at his two seasons with the Rosenheim Starbulls, uh, which was a U16 league back, 
or over in Germany. Um, in 1617, he had 72 points, 35 goals in 36 games. And then in 1718, he had 86 points, 47 goals in 23 games. So that's a, those are some pretty good stats from a guy uh, that you don't know about. Uh, and then also elite prospects uh, just pretty much talked about him being uh, just a high motor player, uh, relentless four checker, back checker, never, never gives on the play, uh, wins battles through second efforts. Uh, but he's also got pretty good hands and he's a pretty fast player. And the one thing you notice when you watch his highlights, and they also mentioned here uh, in um, Elite Prospects, is his ability to uh, move from the outside of the ice inside. And I only wanted to mention that because I saw Jack Hand, who is a pretty good follow on Twitter, uh, if you don't follow him now. He's a former. Used to be an analyst with the Maple Leafs front office and then became a Toronto Marlies assistant coach. Or not, not the front office, but he was an analyst for, like a tape analyst for the uh, Maple Leafs. Became a Marlies assistant coach. Uh, pointing out the value of players who can routinely do that. And I think he was talking about Brandon Point, actually. Just the ability to... Defenseman has it to the outside and just always successfully cut it to the inside to the more dangerous area. Uh, and this this guy does do it pretty routinely. And it seems like um, the big thing with him is just adding on size. But again, uh, already playing against men, and it looks like he already plays the type of game he wants to. And it doesn't seem like the physicality is really killing him there. Uh, so if he's the guy that the Flyers end up taking at 23rd, they trade back and they take him. Uh, yeah, I'm for it. Um, but I uh, just want to talk about, too, Germany's kind of going off lately with their whole uh, coming like an NHL factory. Dreisel just won heart. Tim Stutzley is expected to go top five. He might go third. He's like one of the best players in the draft. Uh, and also John Jason Paterka is another guy that's supposed to go late in the first round as well. Who might? I, like, he might go to the Flyers, but I think they're thinking like later first, even later first than the Flyers in like second round. But um, and he's it's also guys are playing Danny the Briere and Yeah, that's right. It's all because Danny Briere and Claude Giroux played over there for Ice Power in Berlin, the Polar Bear team, as we like to think of them, yeah. uh, during the, the last lockout. The Polar Bear Express, yeah. And uh, they saw like 20 games of these guys, and they were like, you know what? I like hockey now. And that's how it all started. So that's... Uh... There you go. That's uh... That was the Craig's Draft Corner, looking at the first round picks. I want to say, too, because we're not going to go... I don't know how many guys we're going to talk about next week, but pretty much I won't disqualify any prospects until they show that they're bad. I like to pick guys that are about to go into the NCAA because usually they, the NCAA I think is the closest thing you get to the style of hockey played in the NHL. And if you go into a good NCAA program, you know they're going to be developed playing the type of hockey that they're probably going to see uh, in the future. And also just a quicker way to get acclimated to the game. And also, if they have, uh, if there's a line of them producing, whether it's just goal scoring or producing points in every league they've gone to, so you know it's not just one team or one system that's kind of helped them along the way. And if they're consistently putting points and goals everywhere, um, what well, says they can't do it in the NHL? So those are the usual guidelines. And uh, of course, once the Flyers pick these guys, we'll get more into it when that happens. But I'll I'll come up with another list of guys for next week. And then, we'll, and then we'll just do the drafts, you know, Steve? We'll just go from there. But uh, right now, I just did a lot of talking. I can't wait for you to talk a lot because I'm excited to see whatever the <laughs> fuck this is about. <laughs> so I'm excited. Okay. So this, this is officially, I unofficially, I'm sure we're well over this number, but this is officially the 200th episode of Fly Purple. Wow! But it, 
<laughs> that was a noise. Holy shit. <laughs> that was my... It's been a while since we started doing this podcast. It's... I wanted to do something special to commemorate this, because I think the previous milestones we've done, we haven't really done much to commemorate it. And I wanted to do a little something a little different uh, to commemorate the 200th episode of Flight Verbally. So, for people that are newer to the podcast and might not be as familiar with this bit, we have been doing updates of the television show The Bachelor for a while. And the thing is, neither Craig or I watch The Bachelor. Nope. We've never seen an episode of The Bachelor. Craig's brother, Ian, writes up <laughs> these, like, summaries of the episode he's watched. They're great. I, I love, like, reading what Ian has produced. And and we dissect what he has written down and try to figure out <laughs> what, happened? what the fuck is going on. Because this show is bonkers. And it's, it's just insane and weird. But, like, not insane and weird enough for me to want to watch it. Yeah, right. Exactly. It, it was a bit that I was very resistant to at first. I just did not want any part of. And I came around on it. And people really seemed to enjoy the batch updates when they happen. Yeah, everybody does. You were the only person. Everybody knew it was going to be gold once I did the first one. Uh, they all loved it. We kept getting letters from fans, uh, you know, TikToks from fans. Uh, a lot of people contacting me on social media saying it's the best thing that's ever happened to them. So, uh, unfortunately, we haven't done one in a while because of... Uh, you know, I don't know the, all the. I guess the quarantine stuff kind of shut down production of everything. I guess. Oh, and the fact is, Ian Ian didn't want to watch Bachelor in Paris. Yeah, Ian also got real fucking lazy. So you know, the whole full time job and stuff, and trying to make jokes for his brother's podcast. I guess was you know, yeah. I guess well, he couldn't do that on top of that all year long. But whatever, I don't care. So, I'm not. So hurt. here's the thing. Yeah. Here's the thing. I decided for the 200th episode, I would actually watch an episode of The Bachelor. So. I, I did, and I totally get where Ian's coming from. <laughs> it's what that bad. An incredibly, what an incredibly long <laughs> hour of television I watched. You're never getting back. Hour plus, I'm never getting that time back. Nope. It's you can ask for it. It ain't I, coming. Here's the, here's the thing. I upped the ante. I didn't just watch an episode of The Bachelor. No, 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 no. I watched an episode of The Canadian bachelor yeah and i didn't even know they had the bachelor in canada i didn't know they had the bachelor outside the united states and i was scrolling through hbo max one day and i saw the bachelor canada and i went oh my God, <laughs> that is the perfect intersection of interest for fly purbly and knew then that i i would have to watch it and do a batch update based on that so this is my batch update of the bachelor canada and before we get into this craig uh they had batch bachelors for at least three other countries do you have any guesses as to which countries they had represented there three countries outside of usa and canada uh france france was not one of them italy Italy was not one of them. Uh, Mexico? I don't know. I'm running out of options here already. It was not Mexico. It was it was the United Kingdom. Okay. Australia. Okay. And New Zealand. Oh, oh, okay. 
Also, I should have thought like, yeah, I'm an idiot. Yeah, okay, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. I can live with those. My guesses. It's it's, it's a good it's good stuff Canada though. Was the one. Yeah. Canada was the one I had to go go with. You know, there actually was not. Spoiler alert: there was not a hockey reference. Shockingly. Well, I'm looking at the guy's name. I couldn't believe it. I, I feel like the guy's name is kind of yeah. Feels very Canadian. I mean, it's a hockey movie. <laughs> it's, it's not a hockey player. So okay. Saw this on HBO Max. The The Bachelor is a retired baseball player named Chris LaRue. And I, I looked this I looked this up. I, I looked this guy up. He said he retired to have a consistent life. You know, he's tired of all the hotels and life on the road and everything. But, like, I knew before I even looked up his numbers, because I had never heard of this guy, that he just couldn't cut. He just couldn't cut it. This guy played for three major league teams. He had 65 games. A one and three record, six oh three ERA, sixty six strikeouts. He played for the Marlins, Pirates, and Yankees, and for your Philly tie-in, he did play in the Phillies minor league. Oh system. shit! Look at that. There you go. There you go, Phillies fans. It's a positive thing right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's nothing positive. About that. <laughs> they just shit the bed. They pooped all the sheets to miss the playoffs. But the less said about that and their horrific bullpen, the better. So he's a retired baseball player. I noted here that he looks like a rejected Hemsworth, which is yeah, <laughs> definitely looks like a rejected Hemsworth. That's pretty good. So, uh, so they start. So I also decided I, I wanted to call him the Can Batch throughout the the rest of the episode. Yeah, no, it's so a, a yeah, yeah. Type Chris or you know any of that shit. I like Can Batch. No, exactly. So he's Can Batch. R.I.P.D. Pilot Pete. Yeah. They showed okay. So I, at first, I thought he was meeting with these this couple in a hotel room or something for a three way. Obvious, no, not a three way. <laughs> they were previous Bachelor contestants. I thought it was the first Canadian Bachelor, but upon further review, it was the winner of the first Bachelorette. And uh, yeah, that couple still together. I, I just noted that guy, whoever the guy was, looked like a fucking goon. <laughs> How did this guy get on here? Ugh. So there's lots of shots of this guy like running on the beach and shit. And he just had these just awful tattoos running up the side of his torso. Just it looked like a watercolor nightmare. It sounds like the type of guy. Yeah, I mean, that sounds it sounds like you're watching good TV. It sounds like a good show so far. Just good show. And this is barely into it at this point. So they start introducing the contestants. We've got. Megan from Deer Lake, Newfoundland, who I guess, you know, Canadians have a, a certain opinion of people from Newfoundland. And she had just a weird, weird accent. And she's like, Newfoundland. Like, I, how she was pronouncing it blew my mind. I could not believe it. Uh, she introduced herself as a waitress at a local restaurant and said, I was a flatty patty in high school. I was short. I had no boobs. <laughs> Well, that's... Have you heard the term flatty patty before? I, no, I have not. no, I have I have not heard the term flat. I, I actually don't remember a lot of the terms that people throw around for yeah those types of girls. But I I don't I don't yeah I've never heard flatty patty. Also, I think flat flatty patty. New Finland. I thought uh, people in New Finland just talked with a certain accent. Like I didn't Leonard Kenny riff on that too. And uh, like I think the, they did. Yeah, like just make, everybody makes fun of, like the New Finland accent apparently because it's just like a whole other language. It was a weird weird accent, yeah. and there is. More coming up on Newfoundland. <laughs> oh, shortly, baby. But it, it, yeah, there, there's a whole thing. 
let's see. It's the Can Batch's birthday on intro night. Oh wow. Oh hell yeah. We've got we've got Lisa, she's a designer and a mermaid. That's right, oh. a mermaid. There were many shots of her wearing a mermaid tail and swimming in a pool, <laughs> which is a a logical <laughs> thing that you want to do on national television. What? She well, also plays with squirrels and showed many pictures of her playing with squirrels. And I noted she must have a subscription serv- service for rabies shots. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Hello, <laughs> rabies. You get a rabies <laughs> shot a month. Just like, what a what a maniac. <laughs> I get one look at a squirrel, somebody hanging out with a squirrel. And I'd say, no, thank you. I'm good. So somebody hanging out with squirrels and a, a, a mermaid. Yeah. Yeah, both uh, of those things. That's a good start, yeah. Yeah, that's a good start. Uh, Lindsay, publicist. I'm from Vancouver. Cambatch. That's so far from here. I'm from Toronto. Great scintillating <laughs> conversation here. <laughs> so when I went to Wisconsin the other summer, I kept having these conversations with the uh, the locals where they'd say, where are you from? I go, I'm from Philadelphia. And they go, that's far. And that's it. And that would that would be that's it. The conversation would end. We'd go our separate ways. It, yeah. Thanks. It's good. Yeah, it's good interaction. I, I'd say something like, where are you from? And then they just would not really want to continue the conversation. I, I guess, I, who knows? Who knows? Maybe they were afraid of me. As, as we found out tonight, uh, thanks to our very, very well-spoken president, as we found out tonight, Philadelphia is... A very desirable place. Bad things happen in Philadelphia. Direct quote from President Trump. Man, I mean, has he, he's seen the Eagles, right? Uh-huh. 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 All right. Yeah, bad things happen in Philadelphia. I guess that's why nobody from Wisconsin wanted to talk to me after finding out where I was from. Bad <laughs> in Philadelphia. Only we could say that, Mr. Trump. Thank you very that's much. That's right. Play it down. Uh, yeah, I've, I've had enough talking about spray tans, but actually we did have somebody who owned a spray tan business Ooh, and baby. she showed up on a dirt bike. Of course. Yeah. No, I knew that. You didn't need to tell me that when you said the whole thing about the spray tans. Yeah. That's kind of assumed. <laughs> she owned a spray tan business and showed up on a dirt bike. Hell yeah. These are, this is quite the fucking ensemble we got going on here. This is, uh, Oh yeah. This is good stuff. Oh yeah. And so the one girl after the the girl on the dirt bike showed up, she goes, "That's really cool if you're really rebellious." I'm not really rebel. Like, <laughs> what kind of shade is this? I don't understand. See, I like that's just I can't even imagine the hell you went through, and uh, like I, that's why I thank Ian every week for his service for just going through and watching these episodes because it can't be. I don't know. Uh, it just looks like painful conversation it just looks like a bunch of beautiful people that don't know how to talk and i just that makes for terrible television i don't know and imagine imagine if the beauty was turned down just a notch (laughs) oh man (laughs) canadian fashion Uh, there's katie with a c her name is spelled Mm -hmm. c-a-t-i she's opened this up uh, so she introduces herself to the can batch by serving him legal documents oh go on that's how she introduces herself and she's like i'm serving you for the last rose. Oh, my God. oh man. Yeah. Jesus Christ. And she's a lawyer and does meditation. So that's, you know, she's deep. The whole, yeah, the whole, the whole bag right there. That's everything you need. Yeah. Jesus Christ. 
Uh, Priscilla shows up. Her occupation is just listed as performer. Okay. It's right. Very interesting and descriptive. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good job. Sure it pays well. Speaking of jobs, we've got Shanti who shows up and her occupation is listed as real estate student. Yeah, that's also not a thing. <laughs> that's not... No, you take... A, you get certified for real estate and then you sell houses. Yeah, that's... that's uh, <laughs> not real, real estate, estate school? Student. Yeah. No, that's... Yeah. <laughs> Good Lord. All right. So getting back to Newfoundland. Yeah, I call, I've been calling her Deer Lake Megan here. She's given the can batch a giant yellow fishing hat, a cod to kiss. That's right. He had to kiss a cod. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And a bottle of liquor called Newfoundland Screech. All right. I mean, what was the cod? Any guesses as to what Screech is? Uh, malt liquor. It was like an old English. Is that what it? No. Per Wikipedia, Newfoundland Screech is a rum sold in Newfoundland with 40% alcohol by volume. The term Screech is a colloquial term that has been used to describe almost any cheap, high-alcohol spirit, including moonshine. The term is used in the brand name for this mid-priced rum to associate the brand with this tradition. There you go. <laughs> really high-end stuff right there. <laughs> high-end stuff right there. She also had a fucking band come out and play a jaunty fishing tune course yeah why wouldn't you yeah this is yeah this is a good cast going on holy shit yeah, this is a, what a train wreck of television this was kate comes out spelled k-i k-a-i-t and she was wearing a kimono mind you kate was very white <laughs> so yeah not not the best decision <laughs> yeah yeah i think her occupation was listed as travel nomad all right, so she's got money. I guess is what that means. Uh, yeah, I guess so. You're traveling without working. Uh, we've got. Uh, yeah. yeah, we've got Michaela, who's in fashion PR in Winnipeg. How does that work? <laughs> she gave the can batch a promise ring right off the bat. Okay. Oh shit! I mean, that's uh, that's a pretty big deal, though. You know, she's probably gonna win. She made him. She made him promise to talk to her first with the exchange of the promise rings. He called her stunning, where I would have called her batshit insane. <laughs> <laughs> to each their own, my next note, every, to, each, to each their own. Not my type. Every time, my next note, every time you think they're done introducing women, more pop. <laughs> it just did not seem to end. Yeah, that's uh, the big old rollout episode where they just get all 79 contestants or whatever in the one. That's, uh, yeah. that's what it felt yeah. like. I think it was 20, but it felt like 79. Jesus. Yeah. Jesse is given the can batch of fishing lore. To okay. See if he can hook her? Or she's. Okay. Yeah, we'll go with that. I guess. Brittany M is a humanitarian slash pageant queen. What a job. It's a pretty good combo, yeah. Yeah, it's good work if you can get it, you know, those with two fields. Yeah. She won Miss Calgary, so you know she's serious. <laughs> she gave the cam batch a crown, and it looks like the King's old logo. The Los Angeles King's old logo. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, with the, like, purple, like, velvet on the top of the crown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, Chris is hot. Extremely Canadian pronunciation of hot at this point. I don't even know if I can replicate it properly. 
Yeah, I mean, I want, and you know what? It, 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 to not offend our Canadian listeners, I won't try to. Oh well, I don't know. We maybe. Uh, <laughs> I think we're stepping on their toes a little here. <laughs> I've not, not stepped on too many toes. No, no, just Newfoundland, and apparently yeah, Canada doesn't even like just, Newfoundland anyway. So that's uh, you know, they can get, yeah, that's fine. Thirty-eight minutes in, I check the time. There's thirty minutes left. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> <laughs> put that in the outline too Priscilla, <laughs> performing Priscilla is wheeled out in a giant cake and awkwardly sings happy birthday oh my god hell yeah dude this is I might no, this is a good show though this sounds I've changed it's my mind show. this is a good show yeah Shanti the real estate student cries in a bathroom about not getting time with the can batch they have a deep heart to heart in the bathroom classy yeah can you imagine telling your grandkids about that story? Just like how, like you first talk. It's like, well, we were both on a game Where show. Where did we meet? <laughs> well, you see, it was a reality show. <laughs> and to get the attention of The Bachelor, I went and cried in a bathroom until he came to comfort me. <laughs> it's a great story. It's inspirational. Yeah, it's, a, it's a wonderful story. Finally, a big time Canadian sorry. Take a drink. God damn, Steve. That was, uh... That's it. That's, that is the Canadian Batch update. It's the first and maybe only Bachelor It was fair enough. I will I mean, watch. I, yeah. It was agony. Complete agony. I, I'm glad you I'm did. I'm sorry that's being inflicted upon you, Canada, and <laughs> I blame America for that. I directly blame America for that with our, our cheeseburgers <laughs> and our... Yeah, look. Hey, look. Whatever America... Our, our Bud Heavies. Yeah. You know, well, it's our fault. I'm so sorry. You know, that's fine. I'll, we'll take blame for a lot of it. I mean, look at this place. Sorry for all of it. You know what I mean? So we'll take we'll take blame we'll of the Bachelor show, too. Yeah, we'll take blame for that. And, uh, yeah, you know, I'm glad that they uh, put their own twist on it. And it sounds just as unfulfilling to watch. And uh, it sounds like, uh, according to the inside sources, and I'm not going to tell you who my source is about this and why I would know it in regards to the Bachelor programming, but it sounds like uh, Batch is coming back in a couple weeks, so uh, just in time for us to go into the off-season. So uh, there might be some Batch-heavy episodes, and uh, we'll break it down right on over there. Um, I'm excited just as long as I don't have to write the updates. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's, uh, yeah. Thankfully, you, we, we neither of us do. That's the, uh, that's the easy part about this podcast. We make uh, nine figures a year to let Ian tell us what's going on in a reality show. So I'm a big fan of how it works around here, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm pretty excited. Listen, Ian brought this on himself. He approached us <laughs> in the first place with the Yeah, it's all Ian. Yeah, good job, Ian. And I thank him for his service, but he did approach us. <laughs> Hey, that's fair. Yeah, we can blame Ian. Yeah, so Ian, uh, you know, this is your fault. But I was gonna do, uh, I was gonna do around the lake, and then we can uh, get get the fuck out of here if you'd like to do that. Sounds good. Uh, not too much on around the lake because I we did a lot on uh, on draft court and other stuff. But uh, Henrik Lundqvist will be bought out uh, probably by the time you hear this. Apparently, according to a couple sources, it sounds like we we had talked about how it's probably gonna happen, and now it is most likely going to go down on Wednesday. And I uh, just wanted to again laugh at the Rangers for somehow not winning with Henrik Lundqvist in net. And they somehow, luck, unlucky for us, but luckily for them, got Igor Shosturkin, who was supposed to be another really ridiculous goalie. So, you know, they made use of one really well. Uh, made well use of one goalie, so why not go back to uh, 
get another one. So good for them, I guess. Uh, Paul McLean also joins the Maple Leafs front off or uh, bench as a, an assistant coach, uh, the former center's assistant coach. So those were the two things for around the league. And uh, Stephen, that's Paul McLean, former Senators coach and full time Walrus. Yes, absolutely. Yes, full time Walrus. I also still love when he. Uh, I just kind of pissed off Montreal in 2013, so I really enjoyed that. That whole series was funny to me. I do always approve pissing off Montreal. Oh yeah, it's the way to go. It's uh, if you can, I, I say do it uh, because uh, you know they they haven't won a they haven't won a cup in a bit, and I know the Flyers haven't won one in a while. But uh, God, I mean, I don't know. Montreal fans are just uh, they're just annoying. Once you get past 20 years, who cares? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's all the same. We're all, all not winning. Yeah, yeah. You haven't seen shit recently, so I don't know why you're talking crap. Uh, but yeah, that's around the league. Uh, that's around the league, Steve. So, uh, yeah. Like, if it's been three or more presidents since the last time your team won, <laughs> you're not really living the dream. Same shitty boat. Yeah. <laughs> it's like how they say that when you leave the house for more than two hours, time doesn't, time stops having a definition to your dog. Yeah. <laughs> that's how it is with your team winning championships. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, my. Well, that was Around the League. That was our wonderful podcast. If you have any feedback for us on our wonderful podcast, the best place to reach us is on twitter.com.org.edu.ca. You can reach Craig at Sports Are Bad. That's right. And this week I will have out a... Um, Jack Quinn is up next in the community draft uh, board for BSH. I'm doing the write-up on that. I'll do that one. Picked up a couple other guys. You'll see them later on in the draft. Also is going to do... Um, I mean, next week's fly probably, I'm going to try and make it draft heavy as well. And we're going to try to do it earlier in the week before the draft. So hopefully you can listen to that to the day of round one. And then, uh, yeah, I might, I might try and do another, uh, I might try and do an article where I just talk about like five to six guys are expected to go kind of later in the draft that I think the Flyers should take a look at, but we'll see if that happens but for right now. Look for the, uh, community draft board pieces I'll be contributing to and also for uh, the perps next week. Yeah. Good stuff. You good, can stuff. Reach me at, good stuff. You can reach me at flyperbole or at Estebaum, but for your hockey needs, make it flyperbole. Remember, bad things happen in Philadelphia, so don't come down to my neck of the woods looking for handouts. <laughs> Screw you! Ah, come on! Come on! Oh, get me fired up. All right, folks, that's all we got for you. Thanks so much for listening. Wash your damn hands, wear a damn mask, and until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey. Hello everybody, this is Fly Purbly. It is a podcast about hockey, mostly the Flyers, but also other hockey things, like other hockey teams that play the sport of hockey. Steve, but not Steve Hartnell and Craig. But not Craig Ruby. No, this isn't all those hockey guys. These are the guys who watch the hockey sport. Yeah!
I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. It's 2023, and you're still looking for a baseball podcast? What's up, party people? Danny Vietti here from the Wake and Rake podcast. Yes, I know the name of our show, Freaking Rocks. Join World Series champion Will Middlebrooks and I as we banter about the best of the best from Major League Baseball, including power rankings. One of the best players of all time. Headlines. Solidifies a dynasty. And special guests. Reese Hoskins. Stroh showed. Jose Trevino. Listen and or watch every episode of the Wake and Rake podcast, available on all your favorite listening platforms and the all-new Believe Sports channel.